Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. For centuries, Christians have not had a clear understanding of the law. On the one hand, Romans and Galatians tell us, that the law is over. For example, Romans 10.4 says, Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness to everyone who believes. Francis Ball is with us as we explore this seeming paradox a little bit. Francis, I think based on verses like that, a lot of Christians think that uh, we can just ignore the law altogether, don't they? Well, that's true. They do because their thought is based upon this. uh, Many Christians think that they can forget the law. On the other hand, there is a verse in Matthew 5 that says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. This is Jesus talking. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. This word has troubled a great many Christians. But we praise the Lord that he has given us a clear light in this matter, and that's what we're going to hear today. Well, Francis, uh, we do want to come to the Lord and his ministry and this word in Matthew chapter 5 today to try to uh, resolve this apparent paradox or contradiction in the New Testament regarding the law. As we've pointed out, uh, verses like this one we read in Romans 10 and others in books like Galatians declare that the law has been abolished. Uh, And this is part of the good news of the gospel of grace, that we're no longer under the law. But yet, as you've pointed out in Matthew 5.17 and even uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7, what's apparent in the New Testament is rather than being abolished, the standard of the law seems to have been raised even higher. Give us a little background on where we're going today and how we're going to see this uh, seeming inconsistency resolved. Well, we're going to see today, I believe, Chris, that uh, our understanding of the law has been mostly just from a natural point of view that God has certain requirements and we can live by them and we better live up to them. I've had a number of people tell me, well, I just believe in keeping the Ten Commandments. And uh, others have told me these are impossible. And both of these cases are really far off. Hmm. It's uh, far off to think you just have to keep the commandments, which we're unable to do, or to think that you are keeping the Ten Commandments, which you're unable to do. So I think uh, the aspects that are brought out in this message today will really clarify the place of the law and how even this still affects our Christian life. Well, Francis, as we see this mystery or this paradox unraveled today, uh, the key factor that we're going to get from the sharing that we're about to hear from Witness Lee is that the law really is composed of three aspects. There is the principle of the law whereby God dealt with his people in the Old Testament. The commandment of the law, which is not just the Ten Commandments, but even 
the enhancement or the enlargement of this of this that we've seen in Matthew chapter 5. And finally, there's the ritual of the law. And all three of these aspects really need to be understood very clearly if we're going to understand what has been abolished and what we as believers in the New Testament are responsible for. With that backdrop, let's join Witness Lee. The principle of the law is over, but the commandments which are related to the moral standard. This has not been abolished, and this shouldn't be abolished. And this has to stay for eternity. For eternity, we have uh, to worship God. For eternity, we shouldn't worship an idol. For eternity, we shouldn't murder anyone. For eternity, we shouldn't steal. For eternity, we shouldn't lie to anyone. These are the commandments with a moral standard. And the heavenly king in his heavenly kingdom has uplifted the standard. I believe this is clear to all of you. So the commandments of the law are not abolished, rather the morality required by the commandments of the law has been uplifted to a higher standard. This kingly Savior has kept all the commandments of the law while he was on this earth. Number one. Then he went to the cross and died for us. Through this substitutionary death of his, he has released his resurrection life into us. And we do have this resurrection life in our spirit. By living by this resurrection life, we do have the strength. We do have the ability. We do have the capacity to live the highest standard of morality. This is the reason that today, while we are walking in the Spirit, we are fulfilling all the righteous requirements of the law. And we can fulfill even much more than what the law requires. Then what? Then we are also fulfilling the law. Then you have the third aspect, that is the rituals. For instance, to keep the Sabbath, to offer the sacrifices, and to have so many outward rituals, all these laws were over. Because these laws are concerning the shadows, the uh, figures, the uh, times, uh, in the old dispensation. And all these figures, type shadows, been fulfilled by Christ being the reality. So today, all the rituals of the law were over. So you can see the principle of the law is over, and all the rituals of the law are over, but the commandments of the law which require a moral standard is not over, but rather it has been uplifted. Francis, this is, I think, critical. It's crucial if we're going to understand this portion and, and this whole matter of the law as it relates to New Testament believers. So let's talk about these three aspects. The principle of the law, 
and why it has been abolished, the commandment of the law and why it has not been abolished but even uplifted, and finally the ritual of the law, which has also been abolished. Why are these two factors abolished but one actually uplifted? Well, Chris, I think this is the clearest I have ever seen what the purpose of the law is and what the different aspects of the law are. Without this understanding, I think we would uh, be in a forest, not able to really understand why the Lord said it's abolished and why he said that he came to fulfill it. But the first thing about the principle is that under the Old Testament dispensation, the principle was the law by which God dealt with his people. But in this age of grace, the principle that he deals with us is faith. We are under the principle of faith. Those who believe in Christ, who accept him as their life and their Savior, they are living under another principle, not the principle of the law. God does not require us to keep a certain uh, standard of rules in order for us to be forgiven, to be saved. We simply believe in the finished work of Christ. Christ has already completed whatever is commanded. But the commandments of the law are a matter of morality. And this has never been stopped and will never be abolished. The moral standard that's in the Ten Commandments about having God only and no other idols, no lying, no stealing, all of these things will last for eternity. That will never change. As a matter of fact, these commandments, as we have already had pointed out to us, are uplifted in their moral content. The moral aspect of the commandments of the law will never be abolished and never be put aside. The Lord Jesus said he came to fulfill the commandments of the law. So in his life on earth, he actually kept the law. You could say he did that for us. And then he died because of our weakness in being unable to keep the law. He rescued us, but not to be immoral and not to be loose but neither are we just those who try in ourself, in our own natural ability, to try to keep the Ten Commandments. The ritual of the law includes all those offerings and the keeping of certain days like the Sabbath day and so on. That's all been fulfilled by Christ. What Christ did in keeping the law when he was here on earth and what he accomplished, what he completed in fulfilling all the types and the shadows included in the ritual, that's all done. We worship the Lord according to his nature, according to his redemption, and according to the principle of faith. I don't know how clear this is, Chris, but I believe if we see these three points, the principle of the law is over. Now we're under the principle of faith. The commandments are all fulfilled by Christ and what he has accomplished, but those have never been abolished and will never be abolished. We should never lie, never steal, never worship idols. But the ritualistic part of the law, that is over because that's all been fulfilled by Christ himself. Francis, to answer your question, I think it's clear and it's going to get clearer as we continue on here, particularly as we come to this matter now of this higher moral standard required by the uplifted standard that we see in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And uh, what's going to be, I think, unveiled in a wonderful way, hopefully to make us all more clear in this coming section, is that there are two approaches, one which we have tended to fall into by default our whole lives, and that is trying to imitate God or Christ to meet this standard. But we want to see, particularly 
there's another opportunity, there's another option that we probably have not considered. Let's go to Witness Lee. Through the weakness of our flesh, the Lord is impossible. The Lord can do nothing, and we can do nothing. So God sent his son, number one, to keep the law for us, and number two, to die for our weakness. For what purpose? For the purpose that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not work according to the flesh, but according to spirit. God sent his son to keep the law and to die for us on the cross with the purpose that we may walk in the spirit to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. We may walk in our spirit. And how our spirit is formed, it is in verses 15 and 16. 16 says, The spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. The spirit of God witnesses with our spirit. And this indicates that the Holy Spirit of God has come into our spirit. And this is regeneration. The Spirit of God comes into our spirit to regenerate us. From that time, this Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. Then verse 15 says, You have received the spirit of sonship, in which we cry, Abba, Father. Then we go back to verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now you understand why the Lord concluded Matthew chapter 5 with that verse that says, You shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We are not only God's creatures to imitate God. No, but we are God's regenerated children, having God's nature and God's life. We can live God's life. We are the Father's children, living the Father's life. Francis, there's an invaluable, maybe I would say even an indispensable revelation here that can change our entire approach to the Christian life, if we can see this point. Why does being God's children in life lead us away from trying to imitate God or imitate the godly qualities that we see in the Bible? Many Christians are seeking to please God. They have a real, sincere, honest desire to please God and to live according to what's in the Word of God. And they found it's impossible. But as we're in that realm trying to keep that, we just find it's impossible. And even the Bible says the law is impossible. Why? Because of the weakness of the flesh. There's no possibility of our keeping the commandments of God in our flesh. 
by our energy and by our intention and even by our uh, paying attention to a high morality. We cannot meet that requirement. But the Lord Jesus Christ did. He lived that way on this earth. And he has died and risen again and become the Spirit to get into us so that God's life, we have the life of the Father. God is our Father, and he has put his life in us so that now the standard can be met. We have a capacity for this to be lived out by living by another life. I think, uh, Chris, the biggest thing among the Christians that I know now is the attempt to try to obey the Lord and try to keep the commandments. Even if they don't try to keep the Ten Commandments, they have a set of commandments they try to keep, which are impossible to keep. This is the whole thing. We need another life. So I think that's the emphasis that's been in this portion of what Brother Lee has shared with us, that we have the life of the Father. We have God's life and nature imparted into us in our spirit. So we are living not by our own energy, but by another life. Francis, I hope this isn't too much, but um, you were talking about the believers or Christians that you know that are struggling. Whether we use that terminology to keep the law, of course, a more current vernacular might be, what would Jesus do, which is very popular, very prevalent in, in Christian circles today. But in principle, it's really the same thing, isn't it? It is. It's the same thing. Trying to do in ourself and our strength and energy what we think the Lord Jesus would do. Well, we have one section to go in a few minutes. Francis, we'll have uh, that time to spend together as we wrap up today. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Here, in our spirit, we become God's children, having God's life, God's nature, if we just walk in this regenerated spirit, we are just the children of God living God's life. And spontaneously, we will be perfect as our Father is. Look at those little ones. The more they grow, the more they live like their Father. They are not monkeys imitating this gentleman. They are children of the Father growing into the image of the Father. The more they grow, the more they live the Father's life. Are we monkeys? We are children of God. Now, we may be quite young. We may be quite childish, but we are growing. All the little ones are so naughty, but they are growing. You just wait for another 10 years. Let them be naughty for a while. Then they will grow. We are not God's creatures, imitating God, copying God. We are the Father's children growing the Father's life. And this is why the Lord Jesus said, Therefore, you shall be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lord Jesus, refer us to the children of God, of the sons of God, of the heavenly Father, a number of times. He was not giving the word to the unbelievers, to the monkeys, to the Gentiles. He was giving the word to the sons of God, to the children of God, 
And this very God is no more merely God to these disciples. He is called again and again in this constitution the Father who is in heaven. Because all the disciples do have the life and the nature of this Father. Eventually, by our growth, will be the same as He is. Hallelujah. Well, Francis, just in case we ever get to the point where we think we're doing pretty good trying to keep the commandments, uh, the Lord has granted us verse 48 of chapter 5. You, therefore, shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Francis, we've not done very well in our lives trying to keep the original Ten Commandments. How can we ever hope to keep this higher standard? Well, according to these uh, Ten Commandments, our only need is to be exposed. And the reason for that is that we may give up all hope in ourselves. These chapters are in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that have a very high standard and even uh, uplifted much higher than the Ten Commandments. Even a man would look at a woman to lust after her. He committed adultery already in his heart. So that the commandment is much, much higher. All these things are just to show us that our need today is to turn to our spirit and walk in our spirit. Whenever we do this, we live by our Father's life and nature. We are partakers of another nature and with another life, our Father's life. We're not stepchildren And we're not just adopted children. We are people with the life of the Father in us so that we can live under this principle of faith and live the life of the Heavenly Father within us. Simply to walk according to our spirit, then all the righteous requirements of the law will be spontaneously fulfilled in us. And even that standard will be much uplifted above even the Ten Commandments. Francis, I wish we had much more time. This is such a vast and critical subject for God's people. Uh, Let's review a little bit as we wrap up today. The law has three aspects. In the Old Testament, we were dealt with by God according to the principle of the law. Uh, But in the New Testament, that principle has now been forever abolished, correct? Right. Right. That's right. Abolished. (laughs) We're under the principle of faith now. And, of course, we've seen rituals and types and shadows and pictures that were also a part of the law in the Old Testament, all of which have been fulfilled in the coming and reality of Christ. And that aspect of the law has also been forever abolished. Right. But the commandment of the law has not only not been abolished, it's been uplifted, and it takes the power of an indestructible life, a higher life, the divine life lived out in us for us to meet this standard. I hope we could all see this. This will liberate us in our Christian life. Thank you so much for your fellowship today, and uh, we'll continue together to exhort one another along these lines, Francis. I appreciate always our time together. Amen. Me too. Well, uh, that wraps up our life study of the Bible in the book of Matthew for today. Let me quickly point out as we go our toll-free number, and we would uh, encourage you to contact us. We'd love to fellowship with you along these lines or to handle any of your questions that we're able to here. That number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is simply radio at lsm.org. For Francis Paul today, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening. What is the church? The church, which is His body, the fullness of the One who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. The body of Christ is not an organization, but an organism constituted of all the regenerated believers for the expression and activities of the head. The body of Christ is the issue of the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ who has come into the church. By means of the ascended Christ's heavenly transmission, we are made one with him, and thus his body is produced. Scripture, Ephesians 1.23, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.